You can tell I didn't write any of this down. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what was I going to say about this? Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. After an early summer break, we are here to discuss Thor Love and Thunder. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, uh, Stormbreaker or Mjolnir? Well, I am Sandra Amstutz, back from our summer vacay, um, based in Nashville, Tennessee. And of all of our introduction questions, this is maybe the easiest one you've ever asked, Lucas. <laughs> um, it's clearly Mjolnir. Mjolnir has a built-in security device of the who is, you know, only those who are worthy can even pick it up, Yep. But much less use it. And here's what's so genius about that. Is not only does it prevent other people from like using your weapon, but the whole like you you can only use it if you're worthy. It means in order for you to use it, you gotta get worthy and stay worthy, and that's like built-in security to make sure that like just like a good standard to hold yourself up to. So it's just an it's easy, very true. easy choice. It is. It is. I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I'm going to agree with you. It's definitely Mjolnir. Also, I got to say, when it comes down to looks, Mjolnir is sleek. It's nice. Um, Stormbreaker looks like a toy, in my opinion. It's a little too big, too. Like, even it's, for it's pretty wieldy. Yeah, it's pretty massive. Um, I get that it's heavy and that for other people it's, it's a little heftier, but for, even for him it just looks like, I don't know, it looks weird. So Mjolnir yeah. all the way. Team Mjolnir. All right. Well, before we dive deeper into – you know the uh norse lore is that a, is that is that what they say <laughs> norse mythology maybe norse mythology yeah we normally like spend some time talking about what we're feeling um usually something we've discovered or rediscovered but since we've had two months off we're gonna do a, a little rapid fire round of what we've been watching so sandra what have you been doing over the last two months <laughs> Okay, so through May and June, um, I've watched a few movies that I've really liked or really loved, and a lot of TV. I've actually like really recommitted myself to TV um, in the past few months. So I'm going to start <laughs> with some movies. Um, I've got to start with what's fresh on my mind right now, and that is Top Gun Maverick. Um, I've seen it in theaters twice. I went and saw it again for the second time last night. I was not like anticipating this movie i don't really hold (laughs) a lot of warmth for the first top gun movie Mm -hmm. and i only saw this one because the buzz was so good but let me tell you the buzz was good for a reason this movie's really really good (laughs) there's a letterbox review that i'm gonna quote that i saw from someone i will figure out who it's from later but they basically gave the the film four stars and they said we i knock off a star because it's bad for the world which is how i feel about this movie (laughs) Like, I don't love that I love a movie that's, like, military propaganda. Tom Cruise is a problematic, complicated figure. Um, But I just can't deny how much I actually love the movie itself. Oh, man. Um, Are you... Have you seen Top Gun, Lucas? Are you planning to see it? I am absolutely planning to see it. I have not made it to the theaters yet, so... TikTok. I know, I know. In May. It... uh, Yes, it did. (laughs) I was uh, not available to watch movies for most of May and June, which is one of the reasons we we took a break. (laughs) Sure, sure. um, But I am very excited to see it. But at this point, it's probably going to be when it's on streaming somewhere, so... Here's the thing. I really urge you to take a look at your movies, um, your movie theaters, like, release schedule right now. Mm-hmm. Because if you can make it and to see it by theaters before it leaves, I really strongly urge that you do that. Mm, this is, okay. This is going to be, I mean, it's it's the flying of it all. Like, you want to see that on a big screen. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I Top Gun Maverick is right up my alley. Top Gun is the movie that I have seen the most amount of times in my life. Really? Um, it is. It is. Not necessarily because I love it, which I do. I do love it. But I think mostly it's because it was the DVD that I used at my – one of my jobs when I was in college was to <laughs> install projectors and sound systems <laughs> in classrooms. And it was the DVD that I would test all of the systems on. So sometimes when I wanted a break, I would just sit there and watch the entire movie. Um, luckily – 
my boss isn't uh, listening to that. But yeah. point is, I love Top Gun. And so I was very excited for Top Gun Maverick and just have not gotten around to seeing it yet. So okay. it'll happen. There's going to be some ACU kid in 2023 that is <laughs> testing Top Gun Maverick on all the new projectors at ACU. And oh, man. this is going to be a real full circle moment for yep, them. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. Um, I'm trying to keep this as quick as possible. Next movie that I really loved, which is comes as no surprise to anyone who's ever listened to this podcast, is my most anticipated movie of the year, Fire Island, the Pride and Pre- modern day Pride and Prejudice adaptation set on Fire Island, starring Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang. Um, it was everything I wanted it to be. Um, I had a lot of build up to that movie, both like personally, but also like in my home. I had several movie <laughs> nights leading up to Fire Island. We watched the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. We watched um, My Cousin Vinny, which is referenced in the movie. I had themed dinners leading up to it. And it was just a delight. It is romantic, but what I really love about it is that it actually is very, very funny. And a lot of modern day rom-coms forget or don't know how to actually be funny. 100% Um, agree. (laughs) And this one definitely does. Um, Did you make time for Fire Island, Lucas? I have not made time for Fire Island yet, but for good reasons, I I will say. Um, before we watch Fire Island, we were going to watch Pride and Prejudice, the 2005, and My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> okay. And so, so we have not we have not watched those yet before Fire Island. So we we we'll get around to it. Yeah. It's, it's a summer movie though, so we will watch it this summer. It has to happen soon. So definitely, yeah, it's the best. It's like the perfect movie to put you in a summer mood. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So big time recommend Fire Island. Um, This is going to take me into our TV zone where um, one of the stars of Fire Island is um, a podcaster that I and comedian that I've loved for years. His name is Matt Rogers. He hosts Los Culturistas with Bo and Yang. Um, And everyone's great in Fire Island. Like it's a movie full of standouts. But I do think that in the movie, you really discover what a star Matt Rogers is. Um, he's so funny, like so many lines, every moment he's on screen, you want to look at him. Um, and he is also starring in a new TV show, um, on Showtime called, I love that for you. He, that show actually stars Vanessa Bayer. It's about, um, a woman who starts working at, um, a home shopping network and, she kind of tells a fib about her having cancer when she doesn't really have cancer and how that implodes upon her. Um, Matt Rogers plays like the executive's assistant and he's so, he's a standout on that show as well. That show is really, really funny, has a lot of heart. Um, I hope that it comes back for a season two. Um, If you like really good quality comedies that um, I mean I love all types of TV comedies whether they be sitcoms or something more like this that has um, a little bit more depth to it possibly Um, this is a really really great one for you to try out nice I'll have to check it out yeah I think you would like it a lot Um, okay show a show that I have been catching up on was hack season two Um, I don't have much to say about this except that it's still great it's still vicious and delightful and if you watched Hack Season 1, make sure to catch up on Season 2. If you didn't watch Hack Season 1, you're in for a treat for two seasons <laughs> waiting for you. Nice. Um, a comedy special that I really loved on Peacock is called Would It Kill You to Laugh? It's a comedy special from John Early and Kate Berlant. They are a comedy duo that I find to be genius in everything that they do. Um... Kate Berlant has a podcast called Poog that I really like. John Early um, is, I think, just, he's on um, Search Party. And the two of them together are, you know, they're brilliant. And I think Would It Kill You to Laugh is something you'll definitely want to put on. Um, the Another TV show I'm keeping up with is the latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. This season, it is an all-winner season. Um And they're changing the format a little bit. And it's probably the most fun I've had watching Drag Race in a really long time. The the level that all of these drag queens are operating at in this season 
is just so many sta- like levels above what we normally get to see. They all have tons of money, it seems like. The fashion is incredible. The comedy is incredible. If you've never even watched Drag Race before, um, this would be a fun season to jump in and see like what the best of the best looks like. Um, last show I want to bring up is a show on Amazon called The Summer I Turned Pretty. This is like a teen romance drama. Um, I really want to bring this one up because this show is not... I wouldn't say this show is good. Um, (laughs) But I was addicted to it. It's... One, I think the title and the concept is a pretty ingenious concept. Um, To be a teen girl... And to have this idea of the summer that you become desirable to men. Um, And what, what, how that changes everything about your life. Um, Really, really smart title. And it's about, yeah, a teen girl who spends her summers um, in a beach town. um, And she has two brothers, or excuse me, she... There are these two boys that are brothers that she has grown up with. They're childhood friends. And they're all teenagers now. And um, throughout the summer, she has three different love interests. And two of them are the two brothers that she knows. And <laughs> so it's, it's you know, typical, like, uh, love triangles, love squares. Um, but what I also found fascinating about this show is, one, how addictive it was. But two... Every single song in this show is a song that is popular on TikTok right now. And, or it's a Taylor Swift song. Like every Taylor Swift (laughs) song was in this show. Um, The music budget that they must have had for this show blows my mind. Um, And so I find any kind of teen media really interesting. Like the way that we market romance to teenagers. The way that this show is set in a really like... Um, upscale environment. It's like all these, like there's a sort of a cotillion. There's all these rich, beautiful beach houses, but it's still trying to be woke in certain ways. I found that to be very interesting. Again, I don't think this show is good, but I, I had so many opinions about it as I was watching it. I, I've seen the trailer for that one. And yeah. I what don't do think, think it's something trailer? I can, I can't, I can't handle that. That's, okay, no. <laughs> I, I don't think you would ever watch this. Um, but like, here's it's an interesting, could, it's an interesting premise though. I will say I that. I see Rebecca watching this and her and I having a lot of things to talk about on like the that choices is probably that true. were made. Um, yeah. So those are some of the things that I have been very invested in. Um, I know that we have some things that you and I have both definitely been super invested in. Yes. We've got some overlap. Do you want to start us off on some of those? Yes. Um, let's start with Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Uh, this is a movie directed by Sophie Hyde, starring Emma Thompson and Gerald McCormick. Emma Thompson plays a widow who is, um, for the first time in her life, trying to figure out, one, who she is, but also um, kind of come to grips with her sexuality. And she hires a sex worker, played by Donald McCormick, and it's mostly just one room, them having a series of conversations um, I think this. I think this movie is kind of brilliant in the way that it kind of stages a bunch of these conversations, um, as well as just. I I thought it could be. It could lean too far into um, like an agenda, you know, trying mm-hmm. to talk about you know the benefits of sex work and all of this stuff um, without having like a, a a real story to grasp onto. Um, but I think. It does such a good job. And, I mean, obviously, tons of this comes from just Emma Thompson's performance. She's absolutely fantastic in this. Um, Just as a woman who has spent her entire life just not at all um, coming to grips with who she is. Um, And I think um, Daryl McCormick plays just the sweetest guy in the world, (laughs) but also a real character. Um, And I feel like he is just, he's brilliant in this. They're both amazing. And I was so excited to see this. I don't think it's the best movie in the world, but it is on Hulu. And I would recommend everybody watch this movie. So this is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. All right. Um, I think this movie is genius. Um, First, I've talked before about how one of my favorite genres is, or is, Films that are just two people talking, like that's the whole movie. It's yeah. two people yeah. having a conversation. And that is, this movie fits perfectly into that genre. Um, second, you're right. 
Emma Thompson is, you know, a brilliant performer as usual. What I love about this character and her performance is that you, you when the movie starts, you really want to root for her, right? You really want to root for this older woman who's trying to like rediscover her sexuality, um, who has some insecurities. You really want for her to go on a beautiful journey. Yeah. And <laughs> this character is not always very likable. You know, there are, right. I don't think she's a, she's not a villain. She's not a character that like we love to hate, but she's very complicated. And there are moments where you're like, Oh, I don't like that. You said that. I don't like that. You think that, you know, in a way that I think is very smart and that makes this character feel like a, a real person. Um, and there's so many like beautiful moments of clarity and wisdom from um, the Leo Grand character who, who plays this sex worker who's here to like guide our main character on her journey. Um, but there's this one moment in the beginning of the movie that really like endeared me to the film where Emma Thompson's character goes into the bathroom and it's the first time we see the sex worker Leo Grand character not in front of Emma Thompson's <laughs> character. Yeah. And he kind of paces the room and he kind of does like a little breath check and like looks through his bag and starts getting him get some water and um to see him in his own element, not as a performer, not as like a service provider in that moment, um, broke the fantasy in a little bit in a good way, in a way that's mm -hmm. like, oh, he's not the most perfect man we've ever, you know, encountered. Right. He is a person like doing a job. And I, I found so much about this movie to be lovely and endearing. Um, but I also think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen that, includes conversations about sex. I yeah. just think the way that they talk about sex and sexual needs, desires, habits, um, is so refreshing and feels very real. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Um, next up we have, uh, the TV show severance, which we both watched. Um, yes. So you, you had severance as something you were feeling. I think maybe oh, did our I? Last I did. You're right. Or, or soon before we left. Yes, um, and I hadn't finished the season. I usually wait for a season to, you know, to finish before I, I, I say whether it's something that I'm actually feeling or not. And right. the show was so good that I felt like I had to just talk about it immediately. <laughs> so how are you feeling about it now that the show has, um, the season has concluded? Even better. Severance is an amazing show. Um, I feel like it could be one of those shows that kind of falls in the vein of like Westworld or something like that, that is like, amazing in its first season and then just mm -hmm. kind of like completely goes off the rails um but i really trust the you know the the crew behind it i feel like like ben stiller is one of the executive producers and he directed a lot of the episodes and um he's really really pushing for i think a lot of quality in the stuff that he's uh kind of helped produce and direct and stuff like that and i i'm very excited about where this show can go um I'm not going to do any spoilers or anything but i i just i have a lot of confidence uh in the storytelling uh, mm -hmm. you know, acumen of this crew. Yeah. Um, you know, so I started this based on your recommendation and I agree with pretty much the sentiment that you had and that a lot of people have that this is a really well done show that it's like very good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my struggle with severance is one of the main struggles I have is that I had built up a different version of the show based on the concept than what the mm. show actually was. Um, and what the show actually was is something that I actually don't typically tend to gravitate towards in television. And it turned out to be much, much more sinister than I expected <laughs> to be going into it. Really? Um, yeah. I found it to be very dark and sinister and hard to watch. Um, at times because of that. And it's very intense. Mm -hmm. And that kind of tone in a movie I can really handle. Um, but in a TV show that where it keeps going and you really, it takes up so much time out of your own life, right? If you keep coming back to it over several days or several weeks, um, I find that kind of energy hard to endure when it's in, in a television show format. Um, 
And the vision I had of the show was, I think, a lot more... I was much more interested in the idea of seeing characters um, having complete two different completely lives. And we see the same actor play two, essentially two characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't get a lot of that, and we get a lot much more of the, like... Who, what's this big evil corporation doing, right? It is more of a mystery show. Yeah. Yeah. And one that I I was not, I didn't want to be involved in that mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so will you watch season two? I don't think so. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's probably going to be the thing where it's going to come back and I'm going to wait to see what the buzz is like mm-hmm. and maybe get a little spoiled and see if yeah. th- that sounds appealing to me or not. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That way you know like the level of intensity you're signing up for for season two. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I also will say I'm not going to spoil anything about the finale, but I found the finale to be so frustrating to watch that um, I don't think I can handle that level of frustration with um, the storytelling choices and the anxiety it produces. Mm, interesting. Yeah, we can talk more about that Okay. Later. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk more about that. <laughs> um, another show that I definitely want to talk more about is The Bear, um, Chicago staple. This is a brand new show from FX um, about a Michelin star uh, chef who comes home uh, to Chicago after his brother dies to run his Italian sandwich shop. Um, it is just one of, I think it's the show that everybody's talking about at the moment. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I love it. It's very Chicago. Uh, but it also has like just an amazing cast of actors who I hadn't really seen before, um, who are just killing it. It's, 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 on FX, it's eight episodes, and they're 30-minute episodes, um, and it's just... Ish. Ish. <laughs> 30 minutes-ish. It's some, one of those things where it's like... Some of them are like 47 or... Are know. they really? Okay. I know the fun, I know the finale is a little bit longer, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's one I would absolutely recommend. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the best new shows I've ever seen. Like, yeah. yeah. As far as a, a first season goes, um, you know, speaking of me talking about severance and how certain types of shows I I can do in certain types of energies I can do with movies, but not TV. I tend to watch more comedies than dramas just generally Mm -hmm. when it comes to TV. And this is a drama that I could not be more on board for. Um, I found the show to be so engaging, so beautifully shot, creative, interesting, new. Um, I, I love food. I love cooking. I'm still just understand that I'm always binging seasons of Top Chef, even if I'm not bringing it up on the podcast. (laughs) Um, That's a constant. And watching this show and watching the way that they, um, one, show food, two, show shots of people cooking, and three, show the type of people that become cooks. Mm -hmm. Um all of that combined is just at a top tier level. Um, I really want to hear from you though, what it's like watching this, um, to watch a show based in Chicago, you living in Chicago. I mean, it's great. Uh, the, (laughs) um, the show, I think it does a good job of like being a Chicago show without like kind of leaning on that. I don't think they do a lot of like you know, a bunch of like exterior shots where it's like, God, yeah, check it out. We're in Chicago. All well, of this stuff. Almost because every it, scene is set at the restaurant. Like right. you don't even like explore the city very much. No, not at all. And so it's all, it's all there, but the vibe, the people who are, you know, who are, you know, filling this restaurant restaurant are deep, deep Chicago people. Like, these are White Sox fans. These are not Cubs fans. Right. So this is like this is a real, real vibe. Um, and I actually we we got Italian Italian beef uh, sandwiches at our local nice. <laughs> um, our local shop um, to watch at the for the finale. It was fantastic. Um, I I love this show. I think it does a very good job of diving into some of these characters' backstories in a way that you know there's so much still there to get into for future seasons. Oh, um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm ready for it. I already want 
way more of this show. So. This this show is so rich. And the fact that most of the episodes are 30 minutes, the episode's over and I feel like it just begun. Like yeah. they'll And they're also not afraid to end an episode like right in the middle of the action, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like they don't, each episode doesn't need like a pretty conclusive bow. Um, I, I find it thrilling. Um, and it's, it's just, I can't, I've never, I haven't been this excited about a TV show in a really long time. It's fantastic. It really is. <laughs> um, just how we want to talk, I want to talk to you about the severance finality. I have some questions about the bear finale for you as well. For but sure. let me tell you, I, I loved the finale in the way that I did not love the severance yeah, finale. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Um, okay, so a couple more things that I watched that uh, Sandra didn't watch. This first one, I'm surprised that you have not watched this. Um, yeah. I Want You Back. It's a wonderful little rom-com on Amazon Prime Video um, starring, starring uh, Charlie Day and Jenny Slate as two people on the losing end of breakups who <laughs> end up teaming up trying to trash their ex's new relationships. Um why have you not watched this? This feels right up your alley. Well, here's the thing. You are the first person I've heard that has a positive thing to say about this Oh, movie. really? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I've kind of avoided it. It is right up my alley. Um, there was someone on Letterboxd that I follow who I specifically trust them for their rom-com opinions, mm-hmm. um, who had a lot of harsh things to say about this movie. Um uh- I mean, I'll say this. It's not, it's definitely not the best rom-com in the world, but I think Charlie Day and Jenny Slate are two funny people. And kind of what you were saying about Fire Island is you got to bring the comedy to a rom-com. So I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I definitely will watch it. But I think it's funny. I think it has some very, very fun, um, kind of rom-com, rom-com tropes that it kind of you know, plays along with. Um, and I also think it's probably Scott Eastwood's yeah. best performance. <laughs> so that's another thing that I will tell you has not been drawing me in. Yeah. 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 I think Scott he's Eastwood. actually, this is the most interesting he's ever been in this movie. So that's nice to hear, <laughs> which is not a high bar at all. So. Right. <laughs> Um, the next on my list is Emergency, which is another Amazon Prime original, uh, movie. Uh, this is a dramedy about three, uh, not white college dudes who find a, uh, a blacked out white girl at their apartment. (laughs) Um, and just worried about like what that would look like. They try to get her to safety without drawing suspicion. And I think based on that premise, there's a lot of ways that this movie could go very, very wrong. (laughs) And I think this movie goes completely right. I think it is such an interesting look at one, the college experience, but also um, this kind of perception of yourself at that age and how other people perceive you. um, And just the kind of broadening of your horizon uh, into becoming an adult at that age. Um, I think it has just a a great little cast of mostly people I hadn't heard of before. um, And I, I would highly recommend most people watch watch this movie. Okay, this movie, I haven't seen it, but it has an incredible trailer. Yes. Um, it was showing at my local theater, and I missed it, and I don't think I realized it was already streaming. So yeah. um, now that I know that, I will absolutely be checking this out because, like I said, the trailer for this movie is a top-tier trailer. It really is. It really is. And I think it has one of my favorite endings of the year movie wise <laughs> so okay it'll be one i want to talk to you about later for sure oh i can't so, i need to watch yeah, it soon yeah um next up is <laughs> the most watched non-english movie on netflix at the moment it is rrr which is an indian blockbuster um about really it's about a bromance uh between a villager who's fighting against british british colonizers um and one of the native soldiers working with them so um it's a classic you know rom-com trope two people on either sides of um of a situation who just end up falling for each other so (laughs) it has action it has adventure it has dance numbers um it has rom i like not just bromance rom-com stuff but actual other rom-com stuff in there it's a historical effort or effort epic it's a historical epic um this movie has everything it really does it's it's a it's a lot 
and it is intense um and it is just fun i really just enjoyed it a lot i don't think it's an amazing movie but it was one of the most fun movies that i've watched this year it's a spectacle like i do think everybody should watch it well, I do love a spectacle, and <laughs> I really think I'm going to love this movie. I'm kind of, like, waiting for the right night. You know, I want to be in the right mood for it. Um, yeah, but definitely. Because, it, because it, there is, I know that it, there is so much to watch when yes. you watch it. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, if, to me, it feels like a party movie. I watched it alone in bed, um, and <laughs> which was not the vibe, so I would definitely recommend, like, you know, having some people over and watching RRR. Good, good. <laughs> um, last but not least, on the TV side, I finished Barry season three, which is fantastic. Um, it's on HBO, and if you're not aware, it's about a hitman who decides to quit and take up acting, but um, you know his old life doesn't let him go, and he keeps getting entangled in both the acting side and the hitman side of his life. It is not funny anymore season three is basically straight drama at this point um which is fantastic i think bill Hader has made that transition throughout the f- three seasons of the show um very smooth but at this point there's not a lot of comedy and it is very intense and um just sad i think um which all sounds terrible but i absolutely loved it (laughs) so um but if that's not your vibe i would not recommend continuing on uh barry season three so you don't watch barry at all right no 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 i kind of i i think i sussed out that this show is not for me early on yeah no that makes sense (laughs) yeah i've got to also say i feel like this show has really taken a toll on bill Hader. like (laughs) I see him in interviews lately, yeah. and I'm like, ooh, this show is, is doing its work on you. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's aged dramatically. And look, we we're, COVID's been rough on, on a lot of people. But um, sure. <laughs> I think this show specifically has, has taken it out of him, for sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> he just, he just like, yeah, he just seems to, like, not have the, the bounce that he yeah. maybe had yeah. previously. Definitely. <laughs> I agree with you there. Um. I think that concludes everything that we've been watching over the two-month break. So, appreciate you sticking with us. Um, Let's talk Thor Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder is the 29th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I gotta say, I have been feeling the last couple movies. Like, they, it has taken its toll. I have been exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, coming into Thor Love and Thunder, I was very curious to see, is this... Because, you know, we liked Ragnarok a lot. And this is you know, it's, it's that vibe. And so as my, my question was, am I going to feel the same way that I did about Ragnarok? Or is this going to feel like the last couple entries, which have for the most part been, you know, fun, but exhausting. So, um, this is directed by Taika Waititi, who has directed, who also directed Ragnarok, uh, making him the first director to complete two Thor movies. (laughs) So Sandra, I would love to hear, what did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? Well, I was on a similar page um, as you coming into this movie. In fact, like, you know, you and I, we were planning on taking the whole month of May off. Mm-hmm. And then kind of midway through June, I was like, I'm not really feeling much else. Like, we're both excited for Thor. Let's come back for Thor when we talked about coming back for the podcast. Yep. Um, so this movie was something I was anticipating not only for, like, Marvel, um, you know, maybe this will be like a return to form for Marvel, but also for like the summer. Like maybe this will get me back into like yeah. the summer movie excitement. Um, and I gotta say that this movie, this movie is not horrible. It's fun. <laughs> but this is the movie that made me realize I think I'm done with Marvel. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I'm not like swearing off marvel i'm not saying i'll never watch another movie or you know consume any of the media but up until this point we've been pretty dedicated you know we're not super dedicated we don't like i don't buy marvel merch you know but we see every movie right we Mm -hmm. we talk about almost every movie on our podcast we see almost every movie in theaters uh we've watched we started watching a lot of the shows. I didn't really keep up with the TV shows. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but but at least in the realm of the films, like we we don't miss a Marvel film, and um, 
we've been pretty dedicated to it. And I think we've enjoyed most of what we've seen, right? That's why mm-hmm. we keep coming back. Um, but it, it hit me that I haven't left a theater after seeing a Marvel film, like feeling really good about that choice since Endgame, I think. And so I was hoping that that feeling would come back for Thor, Love and Thunder. And it didn't. It was just fine. Um, it didn't bring me a lot of joy or I didn't find it to be really fun or interesting. And we can talk about the things that worked and the things that didn't, but I mostly left the movie with this realization that either Marvel has gotten bad or I've just grown up, you know, like (laughs) I've aged out. Yeah. Um, I was looking through an old group chat that you and I are in Lucas and we were talking about, this was when Falcon and Winter Soldier was coming out. The TV show? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was saying, um, I really wish this whole series was just the therapy and fishing business stuff. No villains or action sequences, just moral atonement and trying to exist in the world as a, as a civilian. Um, there was a bunch of like talk after that about like, yes, that would have been great. And then I had said, there are, they are cowards who will never commit. <laughs> Marvel is essentially an emotionally stunted ex-boyfriend. And that is like the, the truth that I, I came to then that I fully embody now is yeah. that like I had a great time watching Marvel movies in my twenties and now like I've, I've, we've grown apart and that's okay. I love that. I love that, that, um, that, that reading. I think I, over the last two months during our break, I actually caught up on the Marvel movies. So I hadn't mm. seen the recent Spider-Man and I hadn't seen, um, I almost called him Dr. Thunder for some reason. Cause I'm <laughs> staring at my screen. It says Thor love and thunder. Yeah. Uh, I, and Doctor Strange. Um, And so both of those movies were, for me, just exhausting with the amount of stuff that they're trying to do. And I I do think these movies kind of, recently I did a full Marvel rewatch just to kind of remind myself what had happened. (laughs) And I do think that early on, Marvel was very interested in the characters themselves. And I think at this point, Marvel is more interested in building a world. Um, and yeah. so you just you just lose the characters in there. Um, the Doctor Strange movie wasn't really about Doctor Strange. <laughs> the, um, the Spider-Man movie wasn't really about um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Um, it, it was trying to build a larger world and introduce new things and elements and stuff like that. Um, and that is something for me that is just absolutely exhausting. You know, in both of those movies, I can pinpoint one scene that felt like these like really emotionally impactful moments like like they were about the character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all you get. <laughs> like, yeah. you, get yeah. you get one scene for the lead actor to like flex his muscles and like re- not his actual muscles, his like emotional <laughs> muscles um, yeah. and like perform as an actor. Um and then the rest is, you know, all about being in a Marvel movie. Yeah. And that's just not enough for me. I agree with you. I think what what I want is a more character-driven movie, which, I mean, isn't to say that you can't have fun action scenes and stuff like that. Um, it's just I, I want the characters to be the heart of it. And Marvel has just, I, I feel like, moved away from that in order to tell a bigger story. Um I think the things that work the best in some of their bigger movies, like Endgame and stuff like that, are callbacks to the things that are the most emotional in this in these series, um, which you get in those smaller movies. And that's what actually brings that emotional resonance to the big movies. And for and going forward, they just aren't, you know, they don't have that because you can only build on that for so long. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, thinking about the ones that have come out since Endgame, the one that I did have a positive experience with was Shang-Chi. And I don't think that that's an amazing movie, but I had a good time. And that one, more than anything, I mean, because it is an introduction to a character, mm-hmm. is um, feels like more like, oh, we got to learn who this person is, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, and I will say, I think for me, I feel similarly as you did to Shang-Chi, um, for Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, I do, I did, I 
really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. Is it the deepest, best Marvel movie at all? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but I think it got closer to a lot of the character things that um, we want out of it. But I think one of the things that Taika Waititi does is he likes to make fun of things a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and I think what he does here is really just kind of undercut a lot of the emotional moments uh by kind of making fun of uh this big superhero movie blah 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 um which is fine (laughs) when the movie was starting i remember thinking like about the humor that we were all experiencing like this feels like a parody of a thor movie like he's parodying thor exactly or or marvel Mm -hmm. movies which I think, which I think, has a place to be funny. Like I, I, I kind of enjoy that. I think he does that to a, to an extent in Ragnarok. Um, I just don't think this is as tight and cleaned up as it could be. For me, I think for both Spider Man and, and Doctor Strange, I think those movies were just kind of a mess. I think with Thor: Love and Thunder, there's actually like a really good story there if you just dove a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. I think all the bones are there for actually a very moving, interesting story. Now. That being said, I think the way that I view I viewed this movie and probably Marvel going forward is like Anchorman or Dodgeball or movies like that. That it's just like we're just here to to make some jokes and have some fun. You know, um, we're not going to get anything resonant. We're not going to get anything uh, big or life changing. We're just here to see these actors do some funny stuff um, and kind of have a blast. So that's kind of how I went into it, and I. With that take, I really enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you saying that there's the bones here for a really resonant story. I don't I, I don't know how much we can say during spoilers or not, but I think it's fair to say that in the trailer you see that um Natalie Portman's character Jane Foster comes back for this movie mm-hmm. and you know has some cool new powers along with that journey and the way that you could have made this movie a really emotionally resonant movie is you make it more about her and you make it less about Thor. Um, (laughs) And I'm not saying that as a, like, let's make a movie about the, the, the woman with these powers. I'm saying it because like, that's where the meat of the story like could have been so good. Um, And the Thor character um, we've had, you know, Three standalone movies and plus, you know, how four mm-hmm. Avengers movies to really mine story from. Um, you know, of the main Avengers, so far, I guess he has the most standalone movies now, right? Is that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so it, it could have been so good if we had let this be a movie where he gets to take a step back a little bit. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think that they took advantage of what they had in front of them. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I really liked seeing Natalie Portman back. I think she's kind of great in this. Oh, um, yeah. Along with Tessa Thompson. I love Tessa Thompson. I think she was great in Ragnarok. I think she's great here um, with, you know, as little as she actually gets to do in this movie. <laughs> um, but most off, I do want to say, I thought Christian Bale was fantastic. I think he's yeah. so good in this movie for what little of a character this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly just think he was phenomenal yeah i big time agree with that um i have some comments about some of those christian bale scenes but not (laughs) about him and his performance like he is he's like fully committing to this Mm -hmm. in a way that is really um i i don't love it when someone joins the marvel universe and you kind of feel like they know that they only have to give you know 60 percent to this role yeah and He's like, no, I'm going to give it 100% because I'm Christian Bale and that's yeah. how I do performances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I thought he, great casting choice. Great. Uh, I think great, great performance of a character that wasn't fully uh, fleshed out in the way that I think could have been. Um, I, I have a ton of, to say about this movie in spoilers. Um, I would say I enjoyed it. I think if you like Ragnarok, you'll like this. This is just kind of, in my mind, a little bit watered down um, from what it mm-hmm. could be. Um, and I think, but I, I will say for me, because I had such low expectations going into this movie, um, it was surprisingly fun and it's under two hours, which is fantastic. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to talk spoilers? Yes. Okay. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. 
cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Ah, uh, where to start? Um, let's start with let's start with uh, Natalie Portman with Jane Foster coming back. I think the cancer storyline at the beginning, I got kind of excited about that. That's which is sad to say, but I just like the fact that we were going to dig into that a little bit. I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, this isn't something that we've, uh, you know, experienced before. And they just kind of threw that out the window a little bit. I think the end gets to some interesting things about with the cancer plot around um, how the how Mjolnir is kind of draining her and that that is kind of her end i guess um i uh, like her her coming back the last time basically giving up and saying like i will help you and this will kill me um that got me a little bit i was like i I do like that but overall we spend so little time with that plot line um and that was i agree with you not where i wanted this to go (laughs) so yeah you know what i think could have been really interesting I, i first of all love natalie portman again agree glad she was really glad that she was back uh-huh. um so my dad has had cancer since i was a junior in high school um yeah. so it's been a quite a long time that he's been like living with cancer and you know these are superhero movies of course they want to simplify things but a lot of movies like really simplify cancer like yeah you have it, and then you're you're dead pretty soon after. Usually, yeah. when someone gets di- like, no, they always get diagnosed with stage four. It's always like <laughs> yeah. very fast, yes. you know. And I think what could have been really interesting is to have a character who's not immediately dying from cancer, but like living with cancer, mm-hmm. and like have a soup what does that mean for a superhero to like be living with cancer um you know when we think about like representation we 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 talk about like you know representation when it comes to race when it comes to gender when it comes to sexuality um i uh, we always i always wish that there was more representation when it comes to people with disabilities and mm-hmm. people with illnesses like cancer like So many people live with it on a day-to-day basis and families that live with it in their families. Um, I just think that's something that, like, could have been so interesting um, to make that more of a longer storyline and less of, like, this immediate death sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I think what was frustrating for me about that storyline, I'm going to spoil the most recent Doctor Strange movie, is that... I also really loved Elizabeth Olsen and her performance in, you know, in WandaVision, in that movie. Um, I think she's so good to have her character die at the end and then to watch this movie and have Natalie Portman's character die at the end. (laughs) It just is like, okay, so we're just going to kill off all of our most interesting dynamic female (laughs) characters and the actresses. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with those actresses wanting to like get out of yeah. the cinematic universe. And I find that to be, I understand that, you know, desire, but from a storytelling perspective, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I definitely get that. I think I, I definitely felt that way about Wanda more. So I kind of assumed that Natalie Portman would not want to stick around, that she was coming back basically for Taika Waititi <laughs> just to work with him um, and then be done. So I didn't, I kind of, at, at the beginning when they were like, this is the cancer, I was like, oh, well, she'll be dead by the end of this. There's no reason to introduce this <laughs> yeah. unless you're gonna, gonna, gonna kill her at the end. Um, but I do think that, I do think you're right. I would love to see, I don't, I just don't think they do long plot lines because they're not interested in that anymore but i i would love to see that something like that to me is very interesting yeah um but and you know they could have even done it through a series of flashbacks you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. um like how long did thor say they hadn't seen each other eight years eight years yeah that's like a a long period of time Mm -hmm. that you could have like it doesn't all have to be like you know, in the future, you know, from her diagnosis for, you know, we have to spend that many yeah. years with her. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of flashbacks in this movie. I loved actually the stuff they did about Thor and Jane as a couple. Yeah. Um, and their breakup, like they're just how they slowly kind of 
fell apart. was fantastic. Really great. Yeah. Yes. And if they could have done something similar with her cancer, I think that could have added a lot of depth. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think what I really did like at the end was the fact that um, that Gore won and that basically it wasn't because I feel like with all these Marvel movies, what you end up with is you get to the third act and basically you have a checklist. You're like the, the heroes need to do this, this and this and then they win and that person gets to go away. And so the whole third act for all these movies, you're like, all right, watch them check off thing one number one, watch them check off thing number two, <laughs> just go down the list. And you're like, all right, all right, all right, done. Um, whereas this is, they do lose. And the only reason that, you know, things work out in the end is because they have changed his mind throughout the movie and they have that conversation at the end. And I'm like, that's that's the kind of character arc that I want. This was sloppier than I think it <laughs> I want it to be, you know, but at least it feels like there, there is an arc there. And I do think it's an interesting, um, way of ending it with Thor is in need of, of love and, and that connection. And he has been, you know, pushing that away in general since Jane and by accepting this love and by accepting Jane and also being willing to lose her, um, he's willing to then take on, you know, a new a new love yeah. which i i will say at the end i did absolutely love that that's a dynamic that i would watch moving forward as well oh <laughs> so, the two of them yeah 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 um i agree with you on like the arc that we have with like this villain and him like them changing his mind i found mm-hmm. that to be moving yeah um the trouble i had with that whole sequence and this is where i'm getting like picky is like I didn't really understand the rules and the logic of the wish Mm, granting because I kept thinking like, okay, don't do Thor and Jane not get a wish. Like they're there too. (laughs) (laughs) I I really kept thinking like Jane wasn't going to die because Thor was going to wish her to be fine. You know, like, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's standing right in front of the person that grants wishes. Like I, I, if it, if the rule was like only the first person that gets to it, the genie gets a wish, or if this genie only ever grants one wish ever, like yeah. that needed to be a little clearer in my opinion. Yeah, the rule is definitely the first person who gets there, which I do feel like Taika Waititi has a habit of yada yaing yadaing <laughs> over a lot of stuff, which yes. can be great in these movies. It's like we don't need this; just move forward, keep it, keep it going. There are things that he, I think, yada yada is over that it's like, no, 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 we need to spend some time there because that's important. So Because then in that scene, I'm not focusing on this, you know, moving dialogue. I'm focusing on like, wait, no, what what are the rules of what can happen here? Right. Yeah. I think like, I'm glad they didn't explain what this thing is, like how they, like how they got there, like all of that stuff. Like, I don't need that i don't care the emotional thing is what i'm here for so just dive more into that but the rules are important (laughs) so why is stormbreaker the key no clue why does it only give one wish no clue who does it give that one wish to no like that stuff needs to be pretty clear uh as they get there another issue that i had and this is me i think my cynical worldview is really like <laughs> where you're gonna, is really going to come out here is um, one, the, the actual wish of bringing that child back to life when you mm-hmm. know you are about to die. Um, I, I think it's kind of cruel, like <laughs> to bring your child back to life so that immediately upon reincarnation, she witnesses the only person she's ever loved die in front of her. <laughs> I think is like why like that's just built-in trauma and also like i don't know this is again where i get really cynical is like she was like at peace dead like why <laughs> wake her up like goodness like I, I am truly of the belief that like life is pain and like <laughs> it's cruel to like bring a life into this world maybe <laughs> so um the idea of like reincarnating someone yeah. like what was peacefully dead like just seems and then not only to re- to reincarnate them into a world 
where their only family member has to die in front of them and then they have to be alone <laughs> in the world is so fucked. Oh man, that is definitely the depression talking for sure. That Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. None of that, um, hit me at all, you know, <laughs> while watching it, I thought it was very sweet. And I do think, um, as a parent, you would absolutely just be like, my kid needs to live and I will die kind of a situation of just okay, like, gotta, but gotta, live and but... I will die is different if they're still alive. Like, if yes. they're still alive, of course, sacrifice yourself <laughs> so that your kid can stay alive. But don't they don't need to come back from the dead to come into the world to experience more pain. Uh, I love I, I love this take from you. This is for sure the hottest take. <laughs> she should have stayed dead. She yes. had it. She had it good. <laughs> yeah, I, I stand yeah. by that. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't I definitely don't think you're wrong, but I do think living as 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 Thor's ward um, is a pretty dope life overall. That's fine. Better, better than her old one, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, s- um, starving to death in the desert. So Yeah. Um, I, do, I, I don't want to be such a downer on this movie. <laughs> and so I do want to talk about things that, like, did work for me. Um, the rom-com sequence, I think, was my favorite of, of the whole movie. It was very great. Um, I, I want to talk about... A lot of the humor in this movie actually didn't work for me. It's... Um, uh, I was just finding myself being kind of a sourpuss about a lot of it, but there was one thing that really made me laugh. And that was when we are seeing new Asgard and they're doing the play and you see Matt Damon playing Loki again, right? Mm-hmm. Like as he did in the, the last Thor movie. And I remember watching that being like, it's not that funny anymore. Like the surprise is gone. I thought it wouldn't, was like, they really should have gotten Ben Affleck now to like, like, like like keep the bit going of like a new, you know? Um, and so that was, I was kind of like, uh, that the, they, they already wasted that bit. But then when Melissa McCarthy came out (laughs) as Hella, I lost it. I was like, Oh, okay. never mind. This is the, they had a surprise in store for me. Um, that's, that's the kind of, thing that i want from a movie like this because i i do think like you get this with every sequel it's like it's like take the things that people loved from the previous one and do it again and then double it you know like just and and it's just like it's too much it's too much like korg for me in this it was like korg was the perfect amount as like you know eighth lead but very funny coming in with some one-liners every once in a while very great and this it's like all right he's got to be telling the story you got to keep like he had so much dialogue in this that it's like at some point it just overloads the system and is not as funny as it should be Mm. um Whereas I do think the play, you it's exactly like what you said. It's like it starts off and you're just like, okay, yes, this is the same thing I saw last time. It was funny last time. I, I like it. I get it. And then to have her show up is very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I also think that as far as like humor goes, I think the whole new Asgard situation of it kind of being a um, – Tourist like trap. a tourist tourist trap situation is hilarious. I I love that aspect of it. Um, I think that's very very funny. <laughs> yeah, I did like Infinity Dogs. I think yes. that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I liked that too. I think that they could have like maybe had a little bit more fun with that. There was just they had so much to do in this movie, which is the curse yeah. of most of these Marvel movies. Yes, hundred percent. Um, those goats really got on my nerves. Let me I, tell you. Yes. When they first showed up, I was like, that's funny. That's a funny joke. I love it. And then it's like, oh, no, they're going to be here for a lot of this movie. That's not funny anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is annoying. That so. <laughs> felt like this is a joke that, like, 12-year-olds love. Like, Oh, for sure. For sure. And it was there for the 12-year-olds. And that's fine. Like, let them have it. I just, I'm not a 12-year-old, so. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I to be honest, it. that's what this movie feels like. This movie feels like a movie for 12-year-olds. Yeah. Um. Which is, again, that's totally fine. Uh, But even... Okay, go for it. Which is so... What's interesting about this is if this movie really did feel more like it was just for 12-year-olds, like, and that's the whole point, I think I would have enjoyed it. I would have seen that that more. Like, oh, I'm not the target audience for this. It was made for, you know, someone that's not me. 
But the opening scene of this movie is a ju- is a child dying of thirst and starvation in her father's arm. A child. It was so gruesome and dark. Like a twelve year old. Twelve year olds are into dark stuff. This is. <laughs> It, this is 2022. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when it started thinking like, yikes, like we're really going dark on this movie. Yeah. The tone was just, a, it was a little all over the place in that sense. The tone was absolutely all over the place. Flipping back and forth between uh, Christian Bale's story and everybody else's story was just like a light switch going on and off constantly. Can- <laughs> so. Cancer and yeah. that and then the goats and yeah. then the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm glad they're not. They weren't in this movie for the most part because that would have been again too much. Yeah. Um, but the the idea that you have to kind of shove them in there because that's the last place we saw Thor, so he's still got to be a part of that. Like all that just it 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 just felt like churn that you had to get through. Yeah. So. You know the 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 bummer is that I think you really could have had a very funny um, buddy comedy with Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a, a completely different movie that I think could have really worked. And it's actually um, what I was excited for coming out of Endgame. I was like, yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see them interact together. Yeah. And that just isn't where they wanted to go, which is fine. Sure. And they can change their mind on that. Sure. But sure. for us to say, like, we have to start it here because that's where we left them to me feels annoying. Yeah. Um, I did love the... I forget what it was called. Where basically where Russell Crow Crow lives. Um, that whole situation. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun, and I thought that fight scene was very fun as well. I thought that's where, like, watching that fight scene, I was like, Natalie Portman's great. Tessa Thompson is fantastic. I, this is really enjoyable. <laughs> totally. Those like guards that had like the gold yes. splatter every yes. time that you killed yeah. them was cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed the black and white. Uh, yeah planet sequence whatever that was that was this was the first time that i was because well when the movie started i was just like you know what mcu movies all look exactly the same and this isn't a new thought it's just mostly just like i'm never going to be surprised by any visuals in an mcu movie and then when it did the black and white sequence i was like i'm actually surprised by this (laughs) this is enjoyable and interesting and it's the best an mcu movie has ever looked is in those black and white sequences it actually looked very good I mean, that's what I also loved about Ragnarok was the what Taika did visually um, with a lot of the Hela stuff, with a lot of the Valkyrie stuff. Um, yeah, the Valkyrie does, stuff was very fun. He, I feel like, it can do some real, especially with those those villains, Hela and 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 now Gore. Is that this one's villain? That villain's yeah. name? Yeah. Um, a lot of the visuals surrounding them, their character design, their powers, I was very into. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also just thought, like, Christian Bale brings it. And when you have someone who is pushing that hard um, and basically makes everybody who plays against him push hard as well, <laughs> it just makes the movie better. Yeah. So every every interaction that he has is great. Um, did you think it was going to be a movie about kidnapping kids? No. I that wasn't no. in the trailers, right? I, I didn't watch yeah. any of the trailers for this movie, no. so I didn't know. I will say, oh, the kid fight sequence I found very um, enjoyable, too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. that felt like one of those... To me, that felt like an Anchorman sequence, where it's just mm-hmm. like, this is over the top and ridiculous and insane, and I'm so happy that you put it in here. Like, it's just hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. I love yeah. that. And I was very charmed by, like, you know, the Heimdall son of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's things to like. I I'm, I would watch this movie again with some friends if they wanted to see it. I'm not, like, anti this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be so down on it as I have been. Um, this just, it just signified an end for me, you know? It just signified that these movies aren't giving me what I want from them. Yeah. I felt that way about the TV shows. Like, starting off with WandaVision, I was like, I was like, this is fun. I really enjoy this. And as the TV shows have gone on, like, I haven't watched the last couple, Um or the Star Wars ones either. It just feels like yeah. like watching shows like The Bear are just like, this is what I want to spend my time doing. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't want to have to keep up with eight different TV shows and 30 different movies, you know, to, to keep a hold of this story that I'm not that super attached to. WandaVision and Loki both yeah. had really interesting, 
you know, ideas that they seem to want to share. Yep. Um, worlds and ideas that felt new and fresh and creative. Um, and the others have not seemed that way. I agree. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's about it from us. The last thing I do want to do is for you to rank the four, the Phase 4 movies. <laughs> because we had the Infinity Saga, oh, which I think, which I think you know, told the story that we were interested in. And now since phase four, it's all just been kind of extra in my mind. Is the, is the second Spider-Man phase four or is that the end of phase three? That's the end of phase three. So, so it starts with black widow, Shang-Chi eternals, uh, Spider-Man, no way home, Dr. Strange and Thor love and thunder. Okay. I've got to start from the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Eternals is clearly the worst. (laughs) Uh, for me, for me, Dr. Strange is the worst. Dr. Strange is my second worst. And then Eternals for me. This is actually pretty hard because they're, they're all kind of even for me. Um, I'm probably going to say Thor next. Okay. And then Spider-Man. And then I'm going to say Shang-Chi and then Black Widow is the best probably. Okay. You like Black Widow more than Shang-Chi? I think so, but I'm pretty tied on them. Okay. For yeah. those four, I'm going to go Black Widow, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Thor. That yeah. feels right, too. Yeah. Spider-Man, there was a lot in Spider-Man that I liked, you know. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not anti that movie. It's just like there's so much in that movie. Um, I feel, yeah, I feel the exact same way. It doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a collection of, uh, you know, pieces they're trying to put together for the future. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that the ranking that I just gave is not set in stone. I, I yeah, yeah. It, it, I feel like it's it's always flexible, but that's definitely definitely the right. feeling at the moment. So yeah. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Uh, Sandra, where can we find you on the internet now that we are back? You can find me in all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me mostly on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 